0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to CalvarySt.George's.org. And a really warm welcome to you to Calvary Church, part of the parish of Calvary St. George's. Uh, Today on this kickoff Sunday, we're all back. The choir's back. Sunday school's back. Next week, the forum's back. The Backstreet Boys are back. And so we're going to get this party started right. So but uh, in all seriousness, I'm glad that you're here. And I trust that you will attend the ministry fair and find a a place for you to be involved um, in the parish. We're really excited about a lot of things going on this fall. And we're glad that you're with us. Um, Our Old Testament reading, and and on kickoff Sunday, it's really good to kind of lay out the theology of the place, because theology is everything, and and our readings today really articulate what we're all about theologically here at Calvary St. George's, the distinction between law and gospel. The Old Testament reading from the book of Exodus is actually a critical and tragic event in the history of Israel. In chapters 19 through 24 previously... God, who has delivered and redeemed Israel out of Egypt and slavery, establishes a covenant between himself and Israel. And the sign of this covenant is the Mosaic law. The law. These are all the do's and don'ts you probably heard about in the Bible. These are all the divine commands given to Israel, not for the sake of just giving them to Israel, but for the sake of setting them apart from the other nations, for making them holy as their God was holy. And at the end of chapter 24, after Moses establishes the covenant between Israel and God, you know, Israel says, All this we shall do. Moses returns to the top of Mount Sinai to commune with him. Now, it's important to note by the time we get to our reading now, Moses hasn't just been gone for 10 days, Moses isn't just gone for 20 days. Moses hasn't just been gone for 30 days. Moses has been gone for 40 days. And the people begin to doubt and wonder. Maybe something happened to Moses. Maybe Moses isn't coming back. One thing is definitely sure, though. We are stuck out here in the wilderness. So they approach Aaron. This is Moses' brother, the one who is to assure them and watch over the people. They tell him, Aaron, do something. And Aaron takes control. See how the law works? This is St. Paul's entire argument in the book of Romans. The law is holy. It's just and it's good. It's spiritual. However, us being flesh, it reveals that we, including Israel, are not. The law actually stirs up rebellion within us. Think about a fearful situation in your own life. Maybe it was with your family. Maybe it was at work. Whatever it is, and someone says to you, or you say to yourself, come on, do something. Take control. This is the moment in my life where I usually screw things up massively. And Aaron is a perfect illustration. He soon finds himself in possession of a giant golden cow, Yelling, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And then the Bible tells us that the people of Israel, right after that moment, engaged in revelry. And we all know what revelry is. <laughs> so, I mean, this is bad. They've broken like four of the commandments immediately. Forty days in. And this is my first point. Control is so often where we get ourselves into the biggest pickles in life because oftentimes control becomes a way in which we save ourselves. I have written in my prayer book, remember Jacob, there's only one savior of the world and you're not it. And I need to be reminded of this because the truth is, is that control oftentimes is a form of worship. It's our attempt to find a savior. And what Exodus teaches us is that in order for worship to be true, it must be based in a correct revelation of God. And that can only happen when we relinquish control. And even, as we're reminded in AA, confess that we're out of control and that we are not saviors, but rather profoundly need one. At this point in the book of Exodus, we can deduce from our reading that God isn't just mad, he is livid. And he tells Moses that he is going to destroy these stiff-necked people and start all over making Moses a great nation. And this is an important kind of side note. You know, Remember, the wages of sin is death. Yet it's important to note that even in God's wrath here, By making a new nation through Moses, God is still faithful. He's faithful to the one-way covenant he had made with Abraham earlier. And our God, he is just. And this is clear in this passage. He's not capricious. He's not just like, ah, I'm done with it. You know, there was a two-way street made with Israel here. You do your part and I'll do mine. But Moses, it's interesting, he hearkens back, just like St. Paul in Romans, to the Abrahamic Covenant, something earlier. Exodus demonstrates that our attempts to take control and fulfill the law only ultimately garner God's wrath. The point here in Exodus is that you will not be justified by what you do. So ultimately, what you and I need is a mediator and an advocate and in this moment in Exodus, that is exactly what Moses is for Israel. He is their mediator, and he is their advocate. Moses appeals to God for the salvation of his people. As I said earlier, not on the basis of nothing. Moses doesn't say, turn your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people pretty pleased with sugar on top. Nor, as I just said, does he appeal to the covenant made with Israel 40 days earlier, the two-way street, do this and you shall live, don't and you will die. No, Moses intercedes on behalf of his people by appealing to the covenant God made with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. This is Paul's point in Romans that the Mosaic covenant never abolished the Abrahamic covenant. And that covenant is based on faith. That covenant is a one-way street by which God makes the offer of a relationship and says, I will do everything, despite what you do, good or bad, to see that this relationship is preserved and it is eternal. That covenant made with Abraham was not based on Abraham's goodness. It was based on God's goodness. And the good news is that this promise, this covenant made to Abraham, blesses all the nations, including you and I, who, because Jesus fulfills that covenant, makes you now offspring of Abraham by faith. However, as we read the rest of the story, we see that this stiff-necked people, Israel, never really trust God. The calf incident wasn't just a one-off. Israel was constantly trying to take control. And even Moses himself, the mediator, because of his sin, could not get himself into the promised land. Rather, he dies obscurely in the hills of Moab, not really ever talked about again, till he appears in the transfiguration next to Jesus. But if you're like me... You can see yourself in Israel. You can see yourself in Moses over and over and over again. I am a stiff-necked person. I'm a big old control freak. And I'm always getting myself into pickles. And the only message that enables me to let go is not try harder. You'll get it right next time. The only thing that enables me to let go, even just for a second, is as St. Paul writes to St. Timothy in our epistle. This saying is true and worthy of all people to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And this is my second point. Moses, the lawgiver, drives us to Jesus, the law fulfiller. Jesus is the greater Moses, who, as the author of Hebrews writes, mediates a new covenant founded on better promises. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which has been shed for you and for the forgiveness of your sins. And he does this so that, as St. Paul tells Timothy in our epistle, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. It's not to demonstrate how good Saint Paul is and how much better he's getting, but to demonstrate how merciful God actually is, that he saves sinners, that he's merciful to sinners, that he's gracious to us. And then ultimately, through that grace working through us, draw the world to himself. And some of you, some of you may be thinking you're not worthy to be here. I go through that all the time. I think to myself, golly, I definitely don't add up. And that, my friends, is to relate to God through the first mediator, Moses. Moses. And he and the law are always going to tell you, you're right, you don't. But none of us do. But remember, that is the point of the law. Not for us to get our acts together, but to drive us to that second mediator, Jesus. And as he articulates in our parable today, there is no sheep so lost. There is no coin so misplaced that he will not seek and seek and seek, and seek, until he finds what is his. And you, my brothers and sisters, no matter how you're feeling, are his. I have a dear friend, and he uh, works in a very, very tough business. And every time we eat together, after we say grace, he usually stands up and lifts up his glass. It's usually filled with red wine. And he says, I'd like to propose a toast to our Lord who welcomes sinners and eats with them this is the good news of the gospel. We have a Lord who's not interested in good people getting better, but a Lord who's interested in sinners and invites them to his table and eats with them. And this is my third point. There isn't a sinner around whom Jesus will not receive and welcome. I'm living proof of it. Who doesn't welcome him to his table because sinners are actually all there are. And no sin is too great. No idol is too big for the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. For Jesus stops at nothing. Jesus, our mediator, gives everything. Jesus does it all for you and for the world. Every sin is atoned for by his death. Every sin is answered for by his blood. And as we come around this table to receive the promises of a greater covenant, I want you to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the mediator of a new covenant who certainly doesn't let sin off the hook, yet, nor will he allow it to stand in his way. Instead, he forgives it, he wipes it out, and that includes your sins and my sins and yeah that includes even that so enjoy your forgiveness in Jesus name Amen thank you for listening to our sermon podcast produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York if you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving thank you